I'm going to talk today about something that sounds really weird. Today I'm going to look at something I'm calling the insult. I don't know if you've ever been insulted. I remember once on the Grand Parade many years ago, I remember seeing a woman who was obviously deeply insulted by her boyfriend, partner, husband, and she gave him a big clatter, as we say in court, a big slap across the face. Uh, she was so insulted with him. Sometimes it seems as if when we pray or we connect in with the Lord, it can be like it's an insult. And I'm talking today about how it's very important you and I don't get Jesus wrong. Today's Pentecost Sunday. This is the time, 2020 years ago roughly, that the Holy Spirit fell on 120 believers in Jesus in Jerusalem. They were in an upper room and the Holy Spirit fell and they began to speak in other languages. We call it tongues. Um, they were connecting with people and it unleashed a whole load of um, fantastic things. Signs and wonders and miracles. So uh, today's Pentecost Sunday and what I'm sharing today is I believe prophetic. So I'm going to look at John 4, going to read through it here. It's continuing from where I left off two weeks ago, uh, the journey of Jesus through Judea, Gal uh, Samaria and Galilee. So may God bless the reading of his word here today. So John 4, 43 uh, to 54. And here we go. After two more days in Samaria, that's where we left off last time, Jesus is traveling through the country, Jesus returns to the area of Galilee, where he was welcomed warmly by the people there. They had seen all that Jesus had done in Jerusalem at the Passover feast. Jesus then went to Cana, where he had earlier turned water into wine. A royal official over in Capernaum, whose son was seriously ill, heard that Jesus was in Cana. And so he rushed to Jesus, begging him to heal his son. Unless you people see miracles, you will never believe, Jesus said to him. But the royal official replied, Sir, please come before my child dies. You can go. Jesus said to him, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and traveled home. And while he was still on his way, his servants met him with news that the boy was well again. When he asked at what time this had happened, they replied, the fever left him yesterday at the seventh hour. Then the father realized that was the exact time Jesus had told him, your son will live. This was the second miracle that Jesus did in Galilee. May God bless his word. Amen. This is prophetic. I make no apologies about it. I believe the Holy Spirit in his signs, in his wonders, in his power, in his gifts, in his healing, in his tongues is for today. And so on Pentecost Sunday, when we remember the outpouring of God's Holy Spirit, may this portion of God's word speak into your life and your family's life and your loved one's life today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's remind ourselves of the map. This is the map I was looking at last time. 
hopefully you can see it all. Jesus had been here in Jerusalem, but he had to leave there. This is Jerusalem here. This is Judea. He was all around here. He had to leave because the Pharisees were out to get him. They were like a virus. He wanted to go to Galilee, which is also a Jewish area, but he had to go through Samaria, which is this weird situation. And we looked at it. You can check it out on our YouTube or on our Facebook library. Um, you can see all about what that signifies. But it was a weird situation, a bit like the lockdown. And then today we read that he comes into Galilee and he goes straight. He doesn't go to Nazareth where he grew up, even though that was on the way. He goes straight up to Cana, up here. And Capernaum, where this man who had the sick child uh, was, is over here. So this is the lake or the Sea of Galilee, this blue blob that you can see here. Jesus really was based in Capernaum, if you will. Some people say that was his headquarters. But don't think denominational or anything. This is where Jesus was primarily based. Yet, here I speak prophetically, he chose to rest and stay in this place, Cana. What a strange thing. Remember we were told that the people of Galilee, as soon as he crossed out of Samaria and went into the new normal of Galilee, into the Jewish area, they warmly welcomed him. Why? Because they had seen all the signs and wonders and miracles he had done down in Jerusalem. They too had gone through the strange area of Samaria to get to Jerusalem and had come back. But they knew that Jesus was a miracle-working prophet, probably is what they thought. And then that's as far as it went, you see. So we're told that Jesus went on to Cana, where he had earlier turned water into wine. Hmm. What's that got to do with anything? You see, some people think Cana and the first miracle that Jesus ever did was a shallow miracle. Some people dismiss it. And they say, it's no big deal. It's not like at Cana somebody was dying, like this child we read of here. The worst that could have happened if Jesus hadn't answered that prayer or hadn't done that miracle is there was a bit of social embarrassment. Big deal. And yet Jesus turned water into wine. Remember, his mother Mary came to him and said, they have no more wine. Now, if you are part of that school of thought where you think, you know, Cana, that's not a real miracle. That's kind of a bit of a silly old thing. Remember the song the guys opened with, water he turned into wine, or God is greater? You see, that touches on what I want to speak today because wine is symbolic in the Bible of joy. And the whole thing about Cana and the very first miracle and the whole thing about Jesus <coughs> when he goes out of Samaria, lockdown, goes into the new normal of Galilee, where we're all heading, the first thing he does is he goes and he stops in the place where joy was celebrated, where he moved the situation out of survival. He could have left them just drink water. They'd have survived. To dismiss the miracle at Cana is really very shallow because you're missing out on the prophetic, you're missing out on the deeply symbolic nature of what was going on here. When Mary came and said to Jesus, they have no wine, it's as if, and I speak prophetically, some of us today are doing great, 
But some of us, it's like this is speaking into you. You have no joy. Whatever you've been through since this lockdown kicked in in March, it's like your joy has ebbed out. And on Pentecost Sunday, I'm here to declare your joy can return because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen. So if you have no more wine, if you have no more joy, hear what I'm saying. Jesus deliberately went first to Cana and he went there and he wanted to do something lavish there. So symbolically, as we're about to see this miracle that we're going to look at today, we're going to see how Jesus is emphasizing joy as he moves on in his journey into this new situation. So he came from Samaria, a place of testing, hostility, very different but very similar. They were half-breed Jews and all of this. So he goes from that and he goes into Cana where he had done the first miracle. I love what Dr. Adrian Rogers, a Christian um, pastor, writer, a doctorate, he says, the same Jesus who transformed water into wine can transform your home. your family, your life, and your future, and my life, and my family, and my future. Hallelujah. Amen. What he says is true. So this is maybe, um, this is the introduction to this short miracle we're going to see now. It's all about joy. It's all about connecting this. And it's all speaking symbolically and prophetically into our future. We're told a royal official whose son was very ill heard Jesus was in Galilee and he rushed to see Jesus. What's a royal official? He was probably in the court of Herod Antipas. And if they had heard that he was into Jesus, he would have been mocked. They would laugh at him. They would look down on him because they wouldn't take him too seriously. What are you doing going with this Jesus character? But you know what? When death or sickness knocks at your door, all that old stupid stuff goes out the window. Life and death, just maybe a bit like all this coronavirus stuff, has a very clear way of making us all prioritise stuff. Look at see how he rushed to see Jesus. Now, Capernaum, remember, by the Sea of Galilee, right across over to Cana is about 32 kilometers, 20 miles or so. A long journey when no one had any cars or anything. And this guy rushes there in the heat. So we see here how serious he was. He loved his son. He loved his son. And when he went and he asked Jesus, Jesus, will you heal my son? Here comes the insult, perceived, but it wasn't really. Jesus said, unless you people see miracles, you will never believe. Jesus, how could you say that to that man? His son is dying. How could you say such a thing? Here's where the insult wasn't an insult. And this man, if you read on, he never took insult. He knew what Jesus was doing. Jesus literally was speaking to all the Galilean Jews around. Remember, he always had an audience who were just seeking the signs and wonders that they had seen Jesus uh, perform down south in Judea. It's not that Jesus wasn't concerned about this man and his son. He was speaking to the wider context. And sometimes when you and I pray, it's as if Jesus is speaking to our wider context and we get confused. 
And I've seen Christians go off in a huff because they misinterpret Jesus. Don't get Jesus wrong. Jesus wants to heal, but he may do it in a way different to how you think. So there's this very brief pause. Is it an insult? It's not an insult. Jesus wanted to get something straight. And for this man, this royal official over in Capernaum, this was vital. To get a bit of an understanding, Paul elsewhere in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 22, describes it like this. How the Jews demand miraculous signs and wonders, but the Greeks look for wisdom. So Paul is saying here, the Jews, it's like they want proof that Jesus is God. Do the miracle and then I believe. Whereas Jesus is saying, uh-uh, doesn't work like that. He can work like that, but Jesus is saying, do you love me whether I do a miracle or not? Do you? If he chooses not to answer a prayer for a while, or he does it a different way, will you still love him? I don't know that everyone will. In fact, I know everyone won't. But this is the love Jesus is looking for. And look at how the royal official, the father, comes back and he says, Sir, please come before my child dies. Wouldn't your heart go to this poor man? His son is dying miles away and he's really heartbroken and he pleads with Jesus. He doesn't take any insult, but he thinks Jesus has to physically go to the house. Spoke about this a while back, <coughs> how Jesus heals at a distance. And here Jesus does exactly the same because he says to the father, you can go. Your son will live. I speak prophetically to two parents here today. Your son will live. Hear me. I know that one, and this is what I've had as I've been praying, what I sense the Holy Spirit has given me. One person has been praying. You have seen something this past week that has really disturbed your soul. And you're very concerned about your son's mental health. You really are. And your son's stability mentally is taking away all your peace. And I want to speak right through that emotion, right through all the doubt, right through all the turmoil in your head and your heart. And Jesus' words to this man are true for your son. Your son will live. Hallelujah. Amen. You need to believe that and pray for it and know that God is orchestrating events. So that your son won't go down. He'll, he'll go closer Amen. to God. Amen. And I speak to another parent who's been so concerned about your son's spirituality. And I know the Lord is saying, your son will live spiritually. Don't lose faith that he will lose his faith. God is saying, your son will live. Mm. And I pray now, Lord, for both those sons. One with a mental health issue. One with a spiritual health issue intervene, yes, Jesus. deliver, Amen. and do a miracle Amen. in both their lives yes, in Jesus', Jesus name that God's people said. Amen. 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 So the father, getting back to our story, hears Jesus say this. What does he do? We're told the man took Jesus at his word and returned home. We're getting back to the insult thing now. Here we see clear evidence that this man believed in Jesus he believed his word ever before, ever before he had any proof there was a miracle. There was no sign, no wonder, no healing, no miracle. As far as he knew, he just trusted 
Jesus. He took him at his word. He wasn't like all of the Jews demanding, I'll have a miracle before I believe. No, he walked by faith. It was a walk of faith based only on the word of Jesus. If you're looking on and you're saying, well, this is an interesting kind of a church. Um, well, I believe if I see a miracle, you know what? I don't know that Jesus will do a miracle for you. How about you believe God and take him at his word? Mm. Then you'll see a miracle. We'll touch on that in a second. While still on his way. So he's still on his way. His servants met him on the road telling him the boy was well again. The boy was healed. Hallelujah. And then we're told when he asked the time he was healed, they said, the fever left him yesterday at the seventh hour. Now, this is incredible. Because we're told it was the exact time Jesus had told him his son will live. Now, there's a couple of words here that most people reading this will just skip over. And I want to just... Look at it, because I know this is prophetic as well. One of the words is yesterday. Another is, and I'm referring back, how he rushed to Cana. So it means walking. What do I mean by that? The man rushed from Capernaum to Cana, 32 kilometers. He rushed there. But now he's walking back. He's not rushing back. Of course he wants to see his son. But there's a big thing. The servant said the boy was healed yesterday. Something happened with the encounter the man had with Jesus that so instilled him with faith and belief that he, in his walk of faith, back to Capernaum, was walking with a belief, with a peace, with a deep ease in his soul. He knew Jesus had healed his son. He wasn't rushing back and saying, oh no, I hope, I hope, I hope, no. He just knew Jesus had answered the prayer. It reminds me of Hannah, who couldn't have any children. But when God touched her as she was praying, even though she didn't conceive at that time, she knew God had it. And she came out of her depression. It's the same principle. So here we have someone who walked on the word of Jesus alone. You might say, this is very queer teaching now. A Pentecostal pastor is talking about just trusting in the word and not in the miracles. Oh, I'm all for miracles. I'm for healing. I'm for deliverance. I'm for tongues. I'm all for it. But you know what? First things first. We need to believe in Jesus and let him work then. This is exactly what happened. And here's where the Samaritans were very different from the Galileans or the Judean Jews. Remember, Jesus had come just from Samaria. Samaria. Let me remind you, we're told that the Samaritan villagers said to the woman at the well, now we have heard him, Jesus, for ourselves, and we believe he really is the saviour of the world. The Samaritans saw no miracles. There was no signs and wonders, no healings, no blind people seen, no one raised from the dead. They encountered Jesus and they knew he had the words of life. And so this is where Jesus came and he was trying to bring this balance in. He wanted to heal, but he wanted people to have faith in him. What was the final outcome of this incredible tale and this narrative of history? We're told, so he, the royal official, and all his family or household believed in Jesus. So in Capernaum, someone of very high standing, wealthy, 
politically influential. Everyone in Capernaum probably looked up to him, but none of that meant anything to Jesus. Jesus was interested in his soul and in the souls of his family. And the whole household believed. They believed. Why? Because a man took Jesus at his word. He took him at his word. And then the author of this part of scripture that you and I have been listening to or watching here, no, makes a very interesting point. John the Beloved comes and concludes this by saying, this was the second miracle Jesus performed, having come from Judea, through Samaria, up to Galilee. So John is reminding everyone, this is the second. What's that about? John is creating the link. He's linking in. Because John was at Cana when the water was turned into wine. John saw so clearly that Jesus was personifying joy. He was taking people out from just survival to something far more audacious, far more lavish than just physically surviving. He was taking him further and taking them further. And it's the same with this man. And John is saying, we had joy in Cana. That was the first miracle. And then we came back and Jesus heals this boy. He brings life. He brings joy. He brings blessing. You know, Mark 16, 19 tells us, and I say it in this Pentecost Sunday, in here the Lord, as he's about to ascend into heaven, gives the final instructions to his disciples. And in verse 19, uh, he says, Preach the word of God everywhere with signs and wonders following. Preach the word and signs and wonders will follow. Mm. And on this Pentecost Sunday, that's what I'm here to declare. Mm. We are called to hold up the word of God Jesus is the word and we have the written word of God. The written word of God, we preach the word. Hopefully I'm doing that, but signs and wonders will follow. Don't put the chicken before the egg. Don't put the cart before the horse. Let's get our, um, our order correct. Let's believe God's word first and then let's believe for signs and wonders following. So you know what? I'm going to pray now as I come towards a conclusion. I'm going to pray for joy. Mm. And I, I know this is a prophetic prayer because I know there's a whole bunch of people and it's like your joy has been sapped out of you. Maybe your head is wrecked with concerns about work or whatever. I know there's a whole lot of others who are doing very well and have seen God miraculously move. Praise God. But I want you to have a little bit of and care in your heart right now for our brothers and sisters who haven't seen that. We want to see the blessing move across all our community. Amen. 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 Yes. And so I'm going to pray that we will see joy released. I'm going to also pray that we, you and I, will see the signs and wonders following. But by God's grace, and if you're looking in, and this is all new to you, believe in Jesus. Mm. Trust him at his word. Mm. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. On this beautiful sunny day, I want you to call on the name of the Lord and believe in him. And you know what? The God I know, he'll send signs and wonders following. And you'll go, you know what? I believe in Jesus 
and I love him no matter what. But isn't it wonderful to see the signs and wonders as well? Are we ready to pray? Can you pray, guys? So we pray now, Lord, joy into every home, into every mind, into every heart for those who've lost their joy. Who'll say amen? Amen. I pray, God, that just as you turn water into wine, you would turn survival into something far greater. Thank you, Jesus. You are the God who isn't satisfied with just water. You want your people to have joy. Amen. So we pray joy into every heart, every home that needs it. We remember those two young men or those two boys mentally and spiritually. Deliver them, O oh God. We pray for all those who are watching who've never trusted in your word. Let them call on you now yes. in Jesus' Amen. name and believe that you are the way, the truth, and the life. And finally, we pray miracles. We pray signs and wonders mm. would follow all who believe. And right now, there are loads of prayers going up for miracles. Miracles for health, for jobs, for relationships, for mental, for emotional, right across mm. the board. Send miracles, oh Amen. God, on Amen. this Pentecost Sunday. Yes, Let Jesus. there be signs and Hallelujah. wonders following. And deliver those who need deliverance. In Jesus' name, we pray. Yes. Amen. Amen. And amen. Brothers and sisters, I'm looking forward Tuesday night to going a bit more into all of this. And we're going to look at... Uh, Another aspect of this insult, but we're going to continue on the theme on this Holy Spirit uh, week where Pentecost is remembered. If you've never heard of Pentecost, Jewish feast, um, and it was on the 50th day, now I find it and it was the 50th day of the Jewish calendar, and we're going to look a little bit deeper into that. So, God bless you guys. Remember, that's Tuesday at half past seven. Do join us here on the Helvig Peninsula as we celebrate God. Bless you and God keep you all. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.